Well, we're going to start just a two-week series, just real short, uh, called Live Generously. And then after Live Generously, we're going to start the season of Advent. This is the, the preparation leading up to Christmas. Uh, but for two weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about what it means to live generously. You heard me say earlier that we want to lead the way with radical generosity. But to, to calm your nerves, maybe, uh, as I said earlier, uh, money is an important part of our lives. Uh, the Bible actually talks a lot about money. M- money can grip our hearts. Uh, money can actually be a barrier in lots of different ways from understanding who God is. And so m- money is important, um, but, but we're going to talk about something different. And that is this idea that you could be generous in other ways, more, more than just with your, with your money. Uh, some of you know, and uh, we sent an email out, my wife on Monday uh, broke her leg. And uh, that might be news to, to some of you. And when I say broke her leg, um, more than like a little break, like tibia in half kind of break. And so on Monday, they actually took her into surgery and put a rod in her leg and uh, into the hospital till, till Wednesday. Uh, but here, here's what I would want you to hear me say. So many of you have been so generous to us and really hasn't cost anything financially. Some of you have brought us food or will be bringing us food, and I know there's a cost to that. Um, But honestly, there's been some other things that have happened in in ways where you have showed your generosity uh, by by helping with our two kids. Uh, That is a very generous, generous thing to do. Um, Your time of just coming over and and seeing Heather. But one of the the biggest ways that you've been generous and what we're going to talk about today is with your words. And so the way I want to encourage you today is to live generously with the words that you speak. Uh, Here's the definition of generosity. It says generosity is the readiness to give more of something. The readiness to give more of something than is necessary or expected. Right? And that makes sense as we think about money and being generous with our money, right? People who go above and beyond with their, their money and how they use it, you would say they're a generous person. But I think this also applies to our, our words. And here's what I would say. I would say that generosity or a lack of generosity in whatever area you want to say is actually a matter of the heart. It's the matter of the heart. It can actually be a window into the condition of your heart. Uh, my father-in-law about 10 years ago was having some chest pains. And so they took him into the hospital And they did a test, and they were running wires up into the valves, and they're trying to stent it and open up the valves. And I I was in the room for a moment, and on the screen is his heart. It is beating, and it's showing what they're doing. And you could see the blockages that that were there in his heart, and they couldn't fix it, and so they had to rush him in and do open-heart surgery. But it was amazing to to see my father-in-law's heart literally beating on a screen. It was a window into the condition of his heart. And I think generosity is one of those things. It is a window into who we are and what we believe, what we believe about God and what we believe God thinks about us. And so I think generosity is one of the most important things that we need to talk about. Jesus actually says in Luke 6 that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let me say that again. Jesus says that your heart, your your mouth speaks what is in your heart. Whatever you 
think or feel or believe, however you see someone, comes out in the words that you say. And so we're going to talk about how we should be or how we could be using our words and how it could actually benefit other people. Uh, I've observed uh, words being used for good, and you have as well, but we've also seen words be used to bring harm or to hurt people. Uh, words are interesting. I, I, don't, I don't really care who, who you are today in the sense of whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, uh, if you're 12 or you're 32 or 62 or 102, uh, words matter. The words you receive and the words you give matter. They're interesting, aren't they? Uh, words mean different things to different people, depending where you're from in our country. I, I think I've shared this before, but when I lived in California and I called Coke or soda pop, I would invite young kids over to our house for Bible study, and I would always say, we'll have pizza and pop, and they always thought I was saying pot, and so they're like, what in the world? What kind of youth group is this? Uh, I'll be there. Uh, just tell me where to, where to go, right? But words matter. Words matter. Um, kids say really funny things. I, I read a couple of things this week on Twitter. A uh, six-year-old boy uh, said, Dad just needs to get Mom something so he'll be ungrounded. Uh, I'm going to go make her something and say it's from him. A little four-year-old girl said, What did I earn for being good today? And the mom said, My love and affection. And she said, I don't want that. <laughs> right? Words encourage us. You have been lifted by the words that someone speaks to you, but they're also like a knife to your soul. You've been told possibly by someone that you were a disappointment, that you have failed them. And if that's true, it's happened in my own life, it is like a record that you often will put on the record player and it plays over and over no matter the good words that have been said to you, it's like those one or two things that someone said negatively to you. you. You play that record over and over because we know that words are powerful. Now, you may not know this, but the Bible actually says a lot about the way you speak. It talks a lot about our words. And there's something in the Bible called Proverbs. These are these collection of wise sayings from a guy named Solomon. Uh, they, they say that Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. And he's writing these actually to his descendants. So it'd be like me as a father keeping a journal and saying, okay, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the words to write to my kids. What, what are some of the most important things that I need my children to know? What do I need my grandkids to know? What do I need my great grandkids and my great, great Great, get it, right? And, and to us, what, what do people need to know? But he's writing these things to his descendants. And a lot of what Solomon writes has to do with the words we speak. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of those. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. you please take that. Um, the page number on there will be for that, that Bible that's in front of you. But Proverbs 18, 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Solomon's saying words kill or they give life. Words are either poison or fruit. I was thinking about this and uh, I, like to, I like to attempt to build things. 
and uh, repair things and fix things. And, and I was thinking about the role a hammer plays and the role a sledgehammer plays. Uh, a hammer is meant to repair and to build. Uh, a sledgehammer is meant to destroy, to tear down. Uh, my wife and I, we bought our first house, and it was a fixer-upper, you could say. And uh, the first night we got it, I was like, let's do this. And so I got a sledgehammer with my father-in-law, and we are just ripping apart the kitchen. Uh, next thing I know, there's a knock on uh, my garage door, and I open it. It's my neighbor who I have not met. And uh, I realized it's about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and we're just destroying the, the kitchen. And, and so my neighbor, my neighbor comes over and very kindly says, um, I have small children who are going to bed, and it's really late, and it's really loud. Uh, would you mind stop, uh, stopping? And I said, sure, sure, we didn't know what time it, it is. We would be happy to, uh, to stop because a sledgehammer, which is what we were using, was ready to destroy. A hammer and a sledgehammer, although not that different, um, serve two totally different purposes. She actually, the next night, brought us White Castle, I think, to get us back uh, and uh, to hurt us. But, but, but a sledgehammer and a hammer, two things that are similar but do totally different things. And same is true with our words. Your words can be meant to repair and to build up or as a sledgehammer to destroy what's in front of you. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. It says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And just think about that. Like if you just took a moment and you thought in your own life, the moment that the sword went into you, right, you know the moment. You know the person. You know the setting. You, you remember it. Maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was your parent, a friend. You can remember the, the sword and how it felt. But you can also remember those words that have brought healing to you. That the words that spoke life to you. Reckless words. Words that you don't think about. You swing the sledgehammer, not worried about what's in its path. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The, the University of Michigan Business did a study of different work environments in which were most effective. They found that the best performing teams used six encouraging statements or words for every one critical. In a work environment, six encouraging words for every one negative. The lowest performing teams that they observed were three critical for every positive. Words are healing and bring life or they destroy. John Gottman, who is an American psychological researcher who's worked with children and specifically with marriages and couples, found the same to be true with couples. The, the more encouraging and life-giving words that are spoken, the happier a marriage is. Look, that's, I would think it doesn't take a psychologist to figure that out, but, but lots of research proves it. You've proven it in your own life. You, you know that to be true. And I didn't have to read a study, but I know the same to be true with our children. Right? right? Children who are happier and healthier are receiving words of affirmation and encouragement and love more than they are words of criticism in their life. Same as coaches or friends, whatever it might be. Why? Well, Solomon told us. Because reckless words pierce like a sword. 
or they bring healing to our life. And in your words, you literally hold the power of life and death. Your words have the power to move and inspire or discourage and deflate someone. You've heard the statement, and I've tried and hopefully have never said this to my children, the sticks and stones statement. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Someone told you that at some point. And then someone spoke words that hurt. And you believed, uh, maybe that, that's not supposed to hurt, but it, but it did. Because we know that words either bring life or death. Some of you have been on the receiving end even of verbal abuse. You know how much words hurt. Proverbs 25, 18, a little different of a statement from Solomon. He says this, Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is the man who gives false testimony against his neighbor. When you lie against your neighbor, when you tell a lie about someone, it's like bringing death to them. It's like hitting them with a club or a sword or shooting an arrow at them. I mean, we could continue. Solomon, time after time after time, tells us that your words matter. And here's what's interesting, is that you get to decide how to use them. You get to decide. You get to decide how you want to live with your words. If you want to live generously, in the sense that you go above and beyond in how you encourage people, how you affirm people, how you speak kind words or loving words to them, you get to decide. In your tool belt is a hammer and a sledgehammer. And you get to decide which one you will reach for. You get to decide if your words will either be fruit and bring life or poison that brings death. Uh, Paul, who we talk about, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, uh, hated Christians, persecuted Christians, becomes a Christian, starts these churches and writes these letters back to these churches. He, He writes a letter to this church in Ephesus. And the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's going to encourage them. Uh, He's going to tell them who they are because of the work of Jesus. Uh, He's going to remind them that they're adopted as sons and daughters, that they were dead in their transgressions but have been made alive because of the work of Jesus. So three chapters, he just encourages them and says, can you remember who you are, right? And what we say is that you belong. Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, you belong, You belong. And then the second part, he begins to say, because you belong and you have decided to believe, then you should behave differently. But listen, it starts with belonging first. It's not that you behave a certain way. Paul doesn't start out talking about how you should behave. And if you behave a certain way, then you belong. He first says, this is who you are. You you belong. And this is how you should behave. And he says in 429, He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I've heard this before, and in reading this, I used to kind of think, okay, that just means don't say those words, right? That unwholesome talk would be the cuss words, the list of words you shouldn't speak, but I don't think that's what this means at all. Um, we see that it doesn't mean that because of how he compares it to what you should be saying. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk, anything rotten or corrupted 
no longer fit for use, poor quality. Don't let anything worthless come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Back to the hammer or the sledgehammer. Only speak those words that are helpful in building others up according to what they need. What do they need? Use those words to build them up so it will benefit them. So let's just break this down for a few moments. What would unwholesome talk look like? I think this is the the spirit of negativity, right? Whether it's in your workplace or it's in your own home, just a negative spirit, just negative about everyone and everything, hostile or critical, making cruel statements about people or to people. That's unwholesome talk. Uh, I also think gossip. And to be honest, this is one of the things probably that bothers me more that Christians do. Not the most, but one of the things than, than, than a lot of other things that you could do. I, I think that this is a direct window into your heart. Uh, the, Solomon says this, Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Paul, at one point, puts gossip alongside greed, murder, envy, arrogance, being boastful, and God-haters. I mean, that's, that's pretty serious. And, and here's the, the thing. I think what happens is often when we gossip, we, when we gossip, it's a way we believe is building ourselves up. We believe it makes us look better than someone else at the expense of someone else. I would say this is what Paul is talking about as unwholesome talk. It definitely brings death, not life. As you think about gossip, would you say that if they were in the room? Would you say it in that way if they were in the room? What is the the purpose behind it? Is it encouraging Is it supportive? Does it make others look better? And see, here's what I I think is, I've often heard this, not just in the church, but just in anywhere. Uh, It's not funny. It's really not. It it is hurtful. And here's what I know to be true about this, is it often gets back to the people who were talked about. Right? It It is not building people up. It is not encouraging It tears people down. It damages people. Unwholesome talk is like swinging a sledgehammer without concern of what damage is going to be caused. That's gossip. That is critical speech about someone. It is making cruel statements. But Paul says, use your words. Be generous with your words in a helpful way that builds people up. And here's what I, I don't understand about myself and really about anyone is we know the impact that words have on our own lives. Yet we, we often don't use those in a way that helps others. What does it look like to affirm people? What does it look like to use our words to show that we're thankful for people? Words that are supportive. Now, this doesn't mean that you won't have difficult conversations. right? This doesn't mean that, that there won't be moments where you have to speak words that others may not appreciate hearing. 
whether it's in a workplace and you're a boss and you have people who are your employees or an employee to their boss or to your children or whatever it might be, there, there will be moments when you have difficult conversations. And I'll give you a few tips in a, in a moment about what that looks like. But how can you use those moments to actually build someone up and not tear them down? Uh, I was thinking just as the affordable Christmas store and my, my daughter's birthday is tomorrow and buying gifts, right? We love to give gifts. I, I actually think that being generous with your words is one of the best gifts you can give people. I really do. I, I think it's one of the best ways to encourage someone. Someone. I believe that there is power in your words, so much so that I believe that when you speak life-giving words to someone, you are essentially reminding them to live out who God has created them to be. Let me, let me say that again. I believe that when you speak life-giving words to somebody, that you're essentially reminding them to live out who God has created them to be. We are announcing how God sees them. Okay, why, why is this so important? Uh, if words bring life or death, okay, they're just words. They may hurt, but does it, does it really matter? We either say unwholesome words that tear down or words that build up. We, we get that, but, but why does this really matter? Oh, we, we talked last week about knowing the why. Uh, we can know the what. Okay, I know what I should do, but, but why should I do that? And I specifically want to talk to you if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. And I know not everyone in here would. People are wondering who God is, and they're trying to figure that out. But if you would say that you're a follower of Jesus, uh, just listen to the words of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James uh, doesn't believe Jesus is who he says he is. Look, he was his brother. He's like, yeah, Jesus, okay, you're, you're the son of God, right? Uh, he doesn't believe it until actually after Jesus goes to a cross, loses his life, and comes back. Then James is like, okay, I believe you. I believe you are who you, who you said you are. And so James writes a letter, an encouraging letter, and, and this is what he, he says. He, he talks about in chapter 3 about the power of your tongue. Um, he, he talks about um, a ship and a rudder, how it seems like a small thing, but it can actually set the course of your life. Uh, and in verse 9, he says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Both fresh, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brother, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Once again, I don't think James is saying you're, you're cussing at someone. Uh, I think he's saying what Paul was saying in that you're using unwholesome talk. You're tearing people down. You cannot one moment praise God who we believe created all people in his image. We believe that everyone is an image bearer of God, whether they believe it or not, whether they believe what you believe or live how you live or do what you think they should do. Every person is an image bearer of God. And so when we speak unwholesome talk, when we gossip about people, when we're critical of people, when we're rude or cruel, when we tear people down, we are doing that to someone who is made in the image of God. Demeaning language about a group of people 
whether this is race or gender or orientation or economic status, all of these people created in the image of God. And so I, I believe, this is just my understanding and what I think God would want us to know, is that our words will either confirm or deny that you believe all people are created in the image of God. L- listen to that again. Your words will either confirm or deny that you believe all people are created in the image of God. How you talk about people, what you say about people, again, will either confirm or deny that that person is created in the image of God. As followers of Jesus, all of us, but specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, we should be doing all that we can to speak words of life to every person that stands before us. Well, what if that was just your goal? Right? It really costs nothing. Right? But, but what would it look like for you just to live generously with your words? In such a way, when someone leaves being with you, they're better. They feel better about themselves. If they know you're a Christian, maybe they even see God differently. I just think there is an opportunity to use our words to actually point to who God is. You get to remind them. You get to remind them how God sees them. Now, I want to give you a few tips that will go quickly, but let me just say this. You will not do this all the time. You won't do it all the time. Um, there are moments when I, I, I say things and I regret it immediately, right? And you know that. Words are one of those things you can't, like, pull back and put in your mouth. Like, it's been said, it's been said, but... But, but I just want to encourage you, and I'll, I'll talk just briefly in a second, but be, be quick to say sorry. And then change. Right? Be, be quick to say sorry, but then change. Ask for grace and strength to change. Maybe this has been a struggle with a spouse or your children or people you work with. Uh, you're you're going to fail at this sometimes. But, but be quick to, to recognize it. And so here's just a, a few tips for us. Uh, This first one goes along with it. Uh, We have to quit making excuses. Uh, We we have to quit saying things like, that's just how I am. Uh, We have to quit saying things like, well, I didn't really mean to say that. I didn't mean it like that. Right? Excuses are not an apology. Excuses is not an opportunity to ask for forgiveness or to give forgiveness. What really should happen is, I know I said this, and I know it hurt. I was wrong, and would you forgive me? We apologize, and then we ask God to change us. Would you, just, would you just help me to use my words, not to tear up, but to help? The second thing, if we're going to live generously with our words, is we're going to listen more and talk less. We're going to listen more and talk less. James also says that we should be quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? You, you know moments when there's conflict, it's because you have not done that. You've been quick to speak and not quick to listen. James says, just, just slow down. Just listen. Listen more. Listen to your spouse. Listen to your kids. Listen to your coworker. Listen to the person you have conflict with. Just listen more and talk less. And in doing so, you'll become angry less. Three, make it a goal to just build up. We've been talking about this. 
Make it a goal to build others up. I love that, that Paul says, what do they need? What's the person in front of you need? What are they going through? You guys have known what Heather needed this week and encouraging text and support. You've known what I've needed this week. Uh, you have sent what we needed. You, you know what words would matter. So what does the person in front of you need? What are they going through? Has it been a difficult time at work? Have they not been doing what they're supposed to do? What, what would it look like to actually build them up instead of tearing them down? What would be beneficial for them to hear in this moment? Say it. Text it. I, I would even encourage you. Some of the most encouraging things I've ever received, um, it was a piece of paper with writing on it, and they stuck it in an envelope and mailed it to me. It was incredible. Uh, you, you go to the mailbox, you open it, and you get this letter out. Right? We don't do that anymore. But it tells you someone really took the time. They, they thought about you. Uh, Heather's already received a couple of cards. Cards from people who aren't doing well themselves. Right? Just, a, just a card that says, I'm thinking about you. Those are words that build up. What if your goal was just, who can I build up today? Who, who can I speak words that would matter to them? And then can I just tell you this? I did a funeral on Sunday, and uh, every funeral, people come up and talk about the person who they've, they've lost, right? You've all, you've all seen this. You've experienced this. Can I just encourage you to, to not wait? Can I just encourage you, what, what, what do you want to tell the, the people who matter to you most? Like, I, I just believe I would never get tired of hearing that from my wife. I would never get tired of hearing that from my parents or my children. People aren't going to get tired of you telling them that you care about them or that they matter to you, right? What, what would it look like to not wait? And to use your words instead of in an unwholesome way, but in a way that actually builds up. And then a, a good way to think about this is what kind of deposits and withdrawals are you making? Uh, read a book that talks about how every person has a love bank and there's going to be conflict and there are going to be these withdrawals that take place. Um, and as your own checking account knows, if you do not make deposits, withdrawals really hurt. And so it's true in relationships. When you have to have difficult conversations, when there is conflict, if you've been making deposits, it's a lot easier. It may still hurt, but it's a lot easier to make those withdrawals. So quit making excuses. Listen more and talk less. Figure out how you can build people up. And then before you speak, just ask yourself these four things. And if you haven't thought of anything else, just kind of maybe in your phone, jot these down. This, this has always been helpful to me. Ask yourself this, is it needed? Is what I'm about to say, is it really needed? Do people need to hear what I'm going to say? There have been times where I'm like, this isn't needed, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> and it hurts people. And there's times where I've thought, is this needed right now? It's not. So you don't speak it. So is it needed? If you think it's needed, is it helpful? Is it going to help the person who hears it? Is it true? So is this needed? Is it helpful? Is it true? And there can be conflict with people that you can answer all three of those, yes. I need to have a difficult conversation with them. It's going to help them. It's going to help our relationship. And it's true. And then the fourth one is, is it kind? I think you can actually have difficult conversations and still be kind. To not be attacking, to not speak cruelly, 
right? So we, we're going to build people up, and one of the best ways we can do that is to ask those four questions. And then finally, I'm going to encourage you to pray about it, to pray about how you use your words. The Psalms are a collection of, of writings, of prayers, of, of songs, and the author in Psalm 19:14 says this, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, are the words that I speak, are they pleasing to you, O God? Do they please you? Are the meditations of my heart? See, because as we heard in the beginning, Jesus would say, whatever you speak is really just an overflow of your heart. So God, are my words pleasing to you? Are the meditations of my heart pleasing to you? If not, then our prayer is that God would begin to change that in us. That if we find ourselves often using words to tear down and not build up, you begin to say, God, would you help me? Would you help me be a person who's li- who lives generously with what I say? Well, Greg's going to come up and we're going to sing uh, our last song together. And as he does that, just let me encourage you. The reason I believe that generosity is so important to us, as followers of Jesus specifically, is because God has been generous to us. God has not held back from us. Uh, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still broken and messed up, Christ died for us. He didn't just give us a little bit of grace, but he overflows grace to us. He is more than generous. If you've never heard that, if you've never accepted that, if you've never believed that, if you've never believed that forgiveness is for you, I just hope that maybe today that would happen. That God is a gracious, generous God who knows you fully and loves you completely. Maybe today would be a day where you would say, man, I believe that God has been generous to me and you want to believe that in your own heart. And it doesn't take a a special prayer that you have to pray, just a conversation between you and God. He hears you and knows you and so you can just speak that to him today. Would you stand as I pray? God, my simple prayer this morning that everyone in this room, myself included, anyone who would watch online, we would be people who use our words to build up. Uh, We would be the kind of people that other people want to be around. God, would you help us to put on display what we believe about you and what we believe about all people, that you, God, have created all of us in your image. So help us to use our words to bring life, not death. Help us to speak words that are sweet like fruit not deadly like poison. God, would you help us to do that? May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, oh God. We pray in Jesus' name.